You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Just a quick tip before we start the show if you feel the need to apologize for something that you did to someone, I want you to mean it. And what I mean by that is an apology that you mean only really needs to be said once. I am so sorry. I cannot believe I did that to you. I feel awful about it and I wish I could take it back. I just wanted to let you know that. Don't ask for forgiveness because that is an apology with a string attached. You don't want that. You just want to apologize and mean it. Now, this works in a lot of cases, but there are some cases where it doesn't like betrayal, infidelity, things like that where you may need to apologize for quite a long time and they may want to hear it over and over again. But in most cases, when you need to apologize for something because you wronged someone in some way, mean it. Because if you mean it, you only need to say it once. You might have to say it again if they bring it up, but you don't want to make a habit of it because then they become desensitized to the apology and the apology loses its genuineness, its authenticity. And you don't want to do that. Just thought I'd share that just in case it was on your mind. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hey, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you learn the skill set you need to deal with life's challenges in the most emotionally intelligent way. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. All right, I am so glad that you are here. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm going to get right into what we're going to talk about, at least in this first segment. And that is um, the rut. What rut are you in if you're in a rut? And um, this probably won't be a long comment on the rut, but... We all know what the rut is. The dog tied to the stake in the middle of the yard spins around and around and around and makes that path and eventually creates maybe not a deep rut, but you can definitely tell there's a rut there. There's a path because the dog has reached the extent of its leash or its chain. And so it runs around and around. And eventually the rut gets deeper and deeper. And this is what happens in life. We can get into a rut and especially a rut that um, we can't get out of because we don't know certain information. For example, in my Healed Being program, where I help emotionally abusive people change, the rut that some of them are in is the person they've hurt is still thinking about whether they want the relationship or not. Like it could be a romantic relationship, it could be a family member, it could be friends. But if they've hurt people and now they're changing and now they're healing, they're no longer doing the behavior and they realize how awful they've been and they need to change and they feel empathy now because, wow, if I was in their shoes and I was doing that to me, that would be terrible. I feel so bad about it. So now I'm not going to do that anymore because I realize how bad the behavior is. And if they are in this situation where the other person can't really make up their mind, there is an amount of time that has to go by for uh, the victim of emotional abuse to um, consider what they need to do because they also have to heal. So the victim of emotional abuse, when the abusive person stops hurting them, they now have to consider what their next step is. 
because often when the person stops hurting them, it's because the victim of emotional abuse reaches what I like to call their threshold. That is the maximum amount of toleration and they can't take anymore. They've tolerated enough and so they've reached the threshold and gone over it. And when the victim has gone over threshold, they usually don't want any more and they will be very clear and they will create a wall so that the person who was hurting them can't hurt them anymore. And that wall could be them closing the door to their heart. It could be leaving their life and going no contact. It could be just emotionally shutting off if they live together. But the wall is big and it is hard to get over and see what's going on because once it's there, it's sort of semi-permanent. Now it can come down. There can be a door put in the wall that someone can walk through every now and then, but the wall is there for the victim's protection. Because when they reach threshold, they've decided, that's it, I'm going to protect myself. I've had enough. I'm going to protect myself now so that they cannot hurt me anymore. And the abusive or controlling or manipulative person that has been doing bad behavior, some of them will say, oh my God, I got to change. I got to heal. I got to fix this behavior inside of me because I keep losing relationships or I'm going to lose an important relationship. And uh, I finally realized that I'm doing hurtful behavior. Yes, it's true. A lot of people don't know they're hurting other people. Could be you. Could be me. Could be hurting someone. I don't even realize it. And when we realize it, hopefully, we stop it. That's my goal. When I learn that I'm hurting someone, I try to stop it. One of the things I like to say if I find out that I've hurt someone that I care about, if I don't care about them, maybe it I wouldn't say this, <laughs> but if I care about them, I'm going to say, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know I was hurting you. Please uh, let me repair this. Let me fix this. I am so sorry. I will never do that again. That's where I go with it. If I find out I'm hurting someone I care about, wow, that hurts me. I, I think that was not intentional. And I let them know it was certainly not intentional. I'm so sorry. That will never happen again, and I make sure it doesn't. I may not succeed 100% of the time, but I'm going to try like hell to make sure that I succeed in not hurting them ever again, or at least not intentionally, because I may have been hurting them unintentionally. I may may have been doing something that I didn't realize was hurtful to them. It can happen. If you don't believe me, I mean, you probably do believe me, but there are some people that hear that and go, how do you know you're not hurting them? It can happen. There are people that um, won't say anything. They'll just feel the hurt and think, well, I'll just give them the benefit of the doubt and I won't say anything. Or uh, it really upsets me, but I don't want to bring it up now because I don't want to get into an argument. And so we can hurt someone And we may not know we're doing it. But the idea is to be consciously aware or make ourselves conscious and be aware that we could be being hurtful to someone we care about. And it's pretty easy to figure that out when you look at their expression, when you hear the inflection in their voice. If you are invested in their well-being, you're going to notice it. The problem that can happen is we can become a little too self-absorbed in our own stuff and doing our own thing, and we don't notice their expression, even though we might notice it, but don't really register it. So if my girlfriend gives me that look or says, whatever, and walks away, I'm going to notice that. I'm going to think, uh-oh, did I just upset her? And I'll say something or I'll ask her something like, what happened? What did I just say? Or why are you upset right now? And if she says, look, I don't want to talk about it, then I know I've really, really pushed her and I don't want that to happen. And I might ask again, okay, let's, you know, let's talk about this. I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't even know what I did. And if she says, 
I don't, I don't want to talk about it right now. I'm just too angry or whatever she says. Then I'm not going to push it because she needs to process it. And hopefully we'll talk about it later. And that's great if she does and we can talk about it and we can get through it. But I do believe it's good to ask. What, what just happened? What did I do? Or uh, did I upset you? And if I did, I'm sorry. It's good to bring it up if you upset someone or you think you did. And if they say, look, I just need some time or, you know, let's not talk about this now. I'm too upset. Then give them time. Give them space. Let them process. Let them figure it out. But uh, it should be talked about eventually because something happened something happened. So I wanted to talk about this stuff because sometimes we do um, have issues with other people and the issue, uh, the issues never resolve. And when they don't resolve, we might feel like we're in a rut or we might literally be in a rut because we can't move forward until it's resolved. That can happen. I mean, you know this. If you haven't resolved something with someone, and you're still in the middle of conflict, but you never talk about it because it's unspoken, or you do talk about it and you never get anywhere, then I think it's important to start taking steps out of the rut. And this is what I'm going to talk about momentarily. Like I said, it'll probably be short because I am pulling this from uh, one of my newsletters. I used to write more, but I don't write as often anymore. But I have a newsletter called TOB Insights over at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And my newsletter... In that, I, I actually laid out four steps to get out of a rut. Was it four? Maybe five. But it's just a few steps to get out of a rut, just in case you're in one. Um, a good example of the rut is the one I talked about with the emotionally abusive person who stops being hurtful and really wants to heal themselves and really wants to heal the relationship and doesn't want it things to end. And the other person doesn't know what they want and this could happen you know this could stay like this for months and that's okay because in the program I talk about sometimes the victim of your hurtful behavior needs to process for months sometimes up to a year I don't like to go up to a year but I like to tell people if you've been hurtful for 20 years it might take them a year to figure things out or process things. But I also say it's important that you don't go past a year. So in most cases where healing is needed, I look at six months to a year of healing, especially in relationship issues. When you have a relationship issue with someone and it really hurt, then allow at least six months for the other person to heal and feel better and start trusting you again, start feeling safe around you again, but no more than a year. If that sounds like a long time, it is. Especially long time when you don't know what's going to happen. It's a very long time when you don't know what's going to happen. Should I stay in this relationship for a year? What if they finally realize they don't want to be near me or be around me? That could happen. That's that's the tough part. We don't know. And I want to help you get out of the I don't know phase. So if it's been at least six months and you're willing to um, move this forward, no matter where it goes, meaning if you want to move your life forward because you're in this rut and you have no idea, you're waiting for someone else to make a decision, then you may need to make the decision for you and for them. Not necessarily for them, but in order to move things along, you might need to make a decision. And it might involve an outcome that you don't want. But at least you'll know that you're moving forward. So let me give you the steps. The first step when you're in a rut, and I'm going to read some of this from the newsletter. This is when it comes to an I don't know sort of rut. Like, I don't know what decision they're going to make. I don't know. So I'm in this rut. I'm in this uh, stagnation until they make a decision. So if you're in that kind of, I don't know what's going to happen and you've been waiting and waiting for months and months and months and nothing's happening, I think it's time to maybe take a step forward. And this is how you do it. First thing is to just be direct. 
ask for the answer. And this is straight from my newsletter. If you're waiting on someone else before you can move on, you may need to press them to give you an answer. You might even have to say, I need an answer right now. That's challenging, I know. If you say that, that could be the end. Well, if you're going to force me into an answer, uh, then the answer is no. They could say that. But let's just say that they won't or can't give you an answer. The next step is to set a deadline. And from my newsletter, it says, you may or may not get the information you need to move forward. If you're waiting for someone else to give you the information you need, but they continue to delay for whatever reason, you may have to mark a, a day on the calendar and tell yourself, if they don't give me an answer by this day, I'm going to move forward anyway. That is a scary thought because that day could come really fast. You know what? If they don't give me an answer by September 20th, I'm going to move forward anyway. I'm going to make a decision. Then your thought might go to, but what if September 21st, they finally make up their mind and they want to work things out? doesn't matter because you are moving forward. And if they do make that decision on September 21st, I'm pretty sure that September 20th, they're going to have that same decision. But you're either stuck in the rut, hoping and waiting and praying things change, or you're moving forward. And there's a reason I'm telling you this because uh, I'll tell you the reason in a second. (laughs) The third step is move forward anyway. This is where you might have to face the truth that you will never, ever have the information you need to move forward. When that happens, you may have to let go of waiting and move in a direction anyway, which is number four, move in any direction just to create momentum. And this is the decision that sounds reckless. And sometimes it is. But I've seen way too many people stay in the rut and stay unhappy. And my newsletter says, I question that quality of life, and so should you. Moving forward means getting out of the rut, but it could land you in another one. This is why you may have to repeat the above steps so that you aren't constantly in any rut. But sometimes a new rut is better than the old rut. But even when you end up in another unpleasant rut, it doesn't mean you can't get out of that one either. And so, just to kind of finish off what the newsletter said, there are ruts that feel impossible to get out of. I know this feeling. I've been there. But I've also lived long enough to know that you have no idea what's going to happen, and what you think is forever doesn't always turn out that way. And my three examples of that are, my mom thought she would be married to an abusive person forever. I thought I would be depressed forever. I thought I'd be married forever. So there are so many forevers that I've had in my life that I've lost count and I stopped saying that word altogether and that was relieving. (laughs) I took the word forever out of my vocabulary and uh, it made me remember that even though a rut can feel like forever, it never has to stay that way. And so like I was going to say, the reason I'm sharing these specific steps with you is because almost I would say 98% of the time, after a certain period of time, typically several months, but definitely around the six-month mark, the other person really already knows what they want. 98% of the time. There's always that 2% where this may not be true, but I would say 98% of the time, the other person has already made up their mind. So let's just say it's a relationship issue. And the other person's not sure if they want to stay in the relationship and not sure if they can trust the other person again. And they're just not sure. And so they say, I don't know. I I just don't know. Then the other person asks, well, do you think this is going to work out? And the other person who doesn't know says, I don't know. I don't know. So they stay in the rut together. And then the rut becomes comfortable in an uncomfortable way. The rut becomes familiar. And when it's familiar, it's harder to get out of because it becomes a pattern. It becomes becomes routine. So now I'm in this rut and it's a routine. When it's a routine, why look at it? It's just going to be the same thing tomorrow. 
and then the same thing next week and the same thing next month. And then the person who doesn't know and doesn't know what I want, what they want to do, they just keep doing that routine. They just keep doing that day-to-day routine and they stop thinking about it too much. They stop thinking about what decision they really need to make or the other person wants them to make. I really want you to make this decision so that we can move forward. And then let's just say the victim of emotional abuse says, well, you're just trying to push me. You're trying to control me. You're trying to manipulate me. And, you know, that's abusive. And I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do what you want me to do anymore. Then the person who's trying to change says, well, at what point are you going to trust me again? Or at what point are you going to know what you want? And then that's going to feel like they're pushing them again. So it, it doesn't really go anywhere. And that's the hardest part for the person who wants to change and they have healed or they are healing and they're acting so much better and they're loving and supportive and the other person just doesn't trust them. But the other person also doesn't know what to do. I'm not putting them down for that. This is what happens. There are times in our life we don't know what to do. I don't know. Should I stay? Should I leave? Should I trust this person again? Should I take this job? Should I quit this job? I don't know. Should I stop talking to my parents? I don't know. What do I do? This is where it's time to get out of the rut using those steps. And I think I started to tell you, the reason I'm telling you all this is because it does force the other person to make a decision because 98% of the time they already know what they want to do. They just don't want to do it. I feel like I should go in that direction, but uh, I don't want to do that. If I do that, there are consequences. I'm going to have to deal with those consequences and I don't want to deal with those consequences. So I'll just do the day-to-day routine just like I do every day. That is an avoidance tactic, a measure that some people take to not have to go through that process. And again, I'm not putting anyone down for that. I've been there. I've been in that situation where I had to make a decision, but I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to make that decision. You know, my first relationship or one of my long-term relationships, there was a decision in my mind like, well, this isn't working out. Maybe I should leave. No, maybe I shouldn't. But it isn't working out, Paul, <laughs> talking to myself. But I I don't know. Maybe it will. And years later, nothing changed. Never got better. It just it was stale. Everything about the relationship was in suspension. And um, the emotions were barely there. We were barely connecting. And so I finally brought it up one day and said, okay, there, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong in this relationship. What is going on? And I put her on the spot. It sounds like a mean thing to do. Put somebody in the spot. But you got to do it. you got to do it at one point because it cannot last indefinitely. There might be a lot of hope in there, like you hope it doesn't last. But life doesn't move forward unless you do something about it, unless you make decisions. So what I did is I put her on the spot and said, okay, what is wrong? I asked her that question. What's going on? This has been like this for years now. There's something wrong. And she was in the rut where she said nothing. She said, I mean, she didn't say nothing. She said the word nothing. Nothing's wrong, she said. And um, I could have let that go because, okay, she gave me an answer. And if nothing's wrong, but it doesn't feel right to me. This isn't right. It's Not only does it not feel right, but... A lot of things aren't happening that used to happen in our relationship, and I think it's about time we address them. What's going on? And she said, nothing's going on. I'm fine. So there was no forward momentum for her. There was no forward momentum for me. And then when we had this conversation, uh, my question to her, what's wrong? Um, It wasn't going to go anywhere. And I realized this. I realized if I do not push this issue, it will stay this way. And I'm a fan of the trend line. If I know the trend line has been steady or going down, it's not going to go up. This is the trend. It was this way yesterday. It was this way last week. It was this way last year. 
and a couple years ago it's been this way following this trend the whole time so now I have evidence the trend is not going to change it's not going to alter its course this is how it has been this is how it will be I'm lovingly spelling it out for people who need to hear it this way this is how it has been this is how it will be and now I know as long as I accept this this is my acceptance part where I look at the trend and decide to accept that this will never ever change because it hasn't there's my evidence so I put her on the spot and I said there's clearly something wrong this relationship is is not the same as it used to be this stopped this stopped we don't do this anymore and I don't feel any emotional connection from you and that tells me something's going on and I just had to force it out of her I asked her do you still love me because I thought she did she never said she didn't so I thought she did but I had to ask the hard question this is a way to get out of the right you have to ask the hard questions do you still love me do you still want to be with me do you still want me around I didn't ask all those but that could be one of the questions you ask and she said yes I still love you and then that was it I thought wait a minute (laughs) if you still love me but things aren't the same something's wrong so I had to delve into my psyche I had to really start digging to figure out uh, what the next question should be because I really needed to know where this was going to go I, I just can't leave it here I have to push forward and I have to push harder in a nice way but I thought okay if she still loves me I could ask what's wrong and probably get the same answer but maybe I should ask are you still in love with me and that's when it hit her that's when she realized oh boy I have to face this I have to um, tell him the truth because I don't want to be a liar you know I didn't really want to express this before but you know I'm putting words in her mouth right now but this is what I'm thinking she's thinking this is the point where I have her up against the wall proverbially speaking and I'm asking her the question I'm making her face reality here because the reality hasn't been fun it hasn't been emotionally connecting and so I asked her that question and she finally said uh, I'm not in love you know I, I it's not the way I should feel I, I should feel differently but I don't I don't love you like I should and that's what I needed to hear it was the worst thing ever <laughs> to hear but that's what I needed to hear to get out of the rut it was an awful and liberating step it was awful because it was painful I thought relationships are supposed to last forever I was young (laughs) but I thought they were supposed to last forever I thought when you commit to someone as long as things are going pretty well they should last but things weren't going well anymore and I had to face reality that um, I really didn't want things between us to go this way anymore I didn't want what was happening to continue didn't want the trend line to continue so I had to shake things up and this is what you have to do sometimes what has been the trend what is the evidence and you have to accept it I have to accept what has happened so that I can get out of this rut otherwise I stay in it what this does is crush hope (laughs) I'm telling you stuff that will crush your hope that things will change but this is what you need to do sometimes to get out of the rut to move forward and start living again if you are stuck in this space or this place and you feel like there's more to life or you know there's more to life you might have to put a little pressure on someone for them to give you the answers you need you might have to get that closure even if that closure is painful and yes like I said it crushes hope because all the hope I had that next day or next week things would get better magically I had to remove that I had to get that out of my system because hope was also the thing keeping me in the rut 
How do we know how long the rut's going to last? We don't. And sometimes we have to press for an answer. And sometimes we won't get an answer. And this is the last part of this is that when we don't get an answer, we just need to decide anyway. We just need to move forward anyway. And that was number four. Just move in any direction. Move in any direction. And I wanted to find out with her where we go from here. You know, this girl I was dating for a long time. And she said, "Um, I don't know. I asked her, well, does this mean we're breaking up? Uh, Does this mean we should live in separate bedrooms? What does it mean? And she said, I don't know. At the time, I didn't know if that was another rut starting, like we're going to now have separate bedrooms and where do we go from there? But um, I did end up sleeping on the couch that night. And when I woke up the next morning, she left. That was it. She walked away. She walked away from the relationship. She walked away from our home together. And she never came back, only to grab her stuff. But she moved out. She moved on. And um, when I did finally see her, she was happy. Talk about pain. (laughs) Talk about an awful feeling that I am just shocked by our breakup because we were together over a decade And a few days later, she's happy that we're not together. She's happy being without me. Her rut was her not wanting to hurt my feelings. My rut was never bringing up what I uh, thought was wrong with the relationship. I just kept it going and she kept it going. And we were in the same rut together. And it, it just takes one person just to bring up what's going on just to push this to a solution or conclusion and the conclusion that we had was breaking up and at that time I was young I had no coping skills and I went into a depression all that stuff that um, I've talked about in other episodes but um, it was needed when that happened it was the worst thing that could happen and the only thing that should have happened because it was about time That's what she said. She said it was time. It was just time. Time to, I guess, separate. Time to break up. I don't know. But the relationship wasn't working, so we separated and went our separate ways. And that was hard. But at least we were out of the rut. And when you get out of the rut, the most important thing, the most important opportunity is available. You can start your life again. You can start healing. You can grieve You can feel the pain because you accept what happened and it's awful, but you accept it anyway. Or maybe it's not awful. Some people get out of the rut and they realize, wow, I I should have done this a long time ago. I should have done this months or years ago. Why didn't I do it then? Don't be too hard on yourself if you didn't do it earlier because you just have to get to that point when you're ready. But one person has to make the move out of the rut when there's other people involved. Otherwise, if it's just your own life, you might have to make a decision. I remember a job that I hated. (laughs) I hated going to. And I just made the decision that it's either going to change or I'm going to leave. And they said, nope, we're not going to change. And you're going to continue keeping your eyes on your screen and not really saying anything. Just follow the rules. And it was miserable And I decided that I'm getting out of this rut. (laughs) This was years later after I learned about how to get out of the rut. Sometimes the only thing you can do is just take action and hope things work out, which is risky. I know you take action, but I look at it this way. I'm either going to be stuck in the rut and stay there where nothing changes and I'll know what to expect tomorrow if nothing changes or I'll move in any other direction. So at least... I'm crawling out of this deep rut that I don't want to be in anymore. And let's see what life offers me next. Let's see what challenge comes my way. I don't care as long as I'm out of that rut. Glad you're here. We'll be right back.
Speaking of ruts, I've given you some steps, just a few steps to get out of a rut. And you may think, how is that going to help me? <laughs> and if you do, that's why we have services like BetterHelp. BetterHelp is one of the sponsors of today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. And I am always glad to talk about them because they fill in the gaps. You know, they fill in the spots where I can't reach you because this podcast isn't interactive. It's not something that I can ask you a question and you can give me feedback. That's what you do one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what BetterHelp is for. And I want you to really consider using them if you feel like you're stuck in any area of life that you just can't seem to get past. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burnt out without even knowing it. If you're feeling a lack of motivation or feeling helpless or trapped, you have a sense of detachment, feeling fatigue, all kinds of things that we go through that uh, maybe you could use some help with, and this is what BetterHelp is about. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with a therapist. You can choose to see them on camera or not. Totally up to you. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with your therapist in under 48 hours. I want you to consider going to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's two words, betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain. And when you go there, you'll get 10% off your first month. So no matter what you're working on, whatever, what you're going through, BetterHelp is there for you. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain. There's something really satisfying about getting a bunch of matches in the game. You know what I'm saying? It's like you drag your finger and match all of these apples or leaves or water droplets, whatever they are on Best Fiends. And when you do that, they explode and affect all the items around them. And then they fall down and you hope for more matches and you find ways to be creative. And I'm talking about Best Fiends. This is the game that received all kinds of awards. Editor's Choice, Mobile Game of the Year, People's Choice Nominee, this is the game on my phone that um, I'm not supposed to play games at night, but I do <laughs> play them in bed on my phone because sometimes I'm just laying there and uh, what am I going to do? I just turn the volume down so nobody hears and then I play some games. That's one game I play that I enjoy so much and uh, it just never lets me down every time I play it and I'm always trying to upgrade my fiends so that I can beat the slugs and beat the level and um, sometimes I, I will not put it down until I finish that level. I have to finish the level. <laughs> this is how I played the game for, yeah, it's been a long time now. I've been almost a year, I guess, been playing Best Fiends. So happy to tell you about it. I want you to go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Download Best Fiends. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. It's free to download. I highly recommend you do it. I can't put it down. It has 100 million downloads for a reason. And haven't you earned your fun time? Again, go to the Apple App Store or Google Play to download Best Fiends for free. Plus, earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Welcome back. I'm glad you're still here listening. And if you're not... I hope you come back. <laughs> but you can't hear me if you're not, so I'm just going to get right on to the topic at hand. I started off the show with um, a little, I don't know what you call it, uh, thought on apologies. And um, I truly believe that when you apologize to someone, you say it, you mean it, and you move on. And um, I did say during the intro that um, apologizing for things like betrayal, or ongoing lies, uh, wrongs that you've done that someone can look back and say, wow, you did that to me over and over and over again. So it's more like an event that happened many times or multiple events that happened many times as opposed to a single wrong, if I can call it that. When you wrong someone, it's good to apologize because you wronged them. When you've done it multiple times, a single apology may not be enough. And in fact, I have an article on infidelity at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Just look up the word infidelity or surviving infidelity, I think it's called. And um, very, very popular article. Lots and lots of comments there. 
if you've experienced infidelity from either side, you were the infidel or you were the victim, it is, uh, I think it's going to be a helpful and hopefully healing article to you. It may not be a healing article for the person who did the infidelity uh, who doesn't regret it. (laughs) If they don't regret it and they have no remorse, it's probably not going to be helpful for them, but it should be helpful to most people that read it. But the reason I bring up that article is because infidelity is one of those events, one of those behaviors that someone does that usually requires a lot more than a single genuine apology. In fact, the person who feels bad for what they did and promises to never do it again and means it and uh, has a lot of remorse might have to be in the doghouse for six months to a year. That's always my magic number, six months to a year. And uh, you, if you're that person, if you've cheated on someone and um, then it came out and you just feel awful, awful about it and you want to save the relationship, there is a chance the relationship can be saved. But know that you will probably have to be in the doghouse between six months and a year. If that offends dog owners, I'm sorry. (laughs) Some dog houses are nice, but you get what I'm saying. So the kind of apology I'm talking about has to do typically with a single wrong, a single thing that you did. In fact, uh, I sometimes email myself notes of what I'm going to talk about on the show. And I just found this email. It's like a year old and it says, uh, this is what I wrote to myself, an apology is a gift that you give to someone that you wronged. And I thought, that's a good way to put it. You know, kind of patting myself on the back. There it is. It's a gift that you give to someone that you've wronged. They may not accept that gift, but you're still giving it. It's still something that you give freely, no strings attached, no expectations. If they choose to forgive you, it's a gift back to you. They may not choose to forgive you, and I want you to be okay with that. If you've wronged someone and and you've apologized, they may not choose to forgive you, and that's okay because you did your part, but you have to do your part. Your part is an incredibly vulnerable, very exposed thing to do. You, You are putting your heart out there to be crushed. That's that's how some apologies can feel. That's always how it felt to me. I'm putting my heart out here to be crushed. I know I did wrong, and I'm sorry. And this is my heart. Feel free to crush it. Please don't use those words, but you know what I mean. I like to remember that all gifts come with no strings attached. That's the no expectation thing. That's why I call it a gift. A gift is no strings attached. In fact, um, I remember I used to work with somebody... And um, I needed, I think I needed a ride or I needed a, uh, a ride to the part store. That's what it was. I needed a part for my car. And um, this person gave me a ride and I was grateful. And I think it was a few weeks later, uh, she needed something. And I said, hey, I can help you out with that. And uh, I remember her saying, oh, good. I gave you a ride and now this makes us even. <laughs> I thought, what a strange comment to say. I didn't know this was like balancing out the equation. I mean, absolutely. I'm I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to help her out wherever whatever she needs and she helped me out. But I thought it was sort of the same no strings attached gift that I would feel honored to share with her. I'm happy to give a gift. Hey, what do you need? I'm happy to help. But I'm not looking at it as a uh, oh good, you owe me, so this will make us even. It was just a strange thing and I'll never forget it and I use that memory to uh, make sure that um, I understand that some people, when they do something for you, will expect something in return. And uh, that helps me understand that if they ask for something, that I know how they operate. If I do something for them, I don't expect anything in return. It's a favor. If I hand somebody 20 bucks because they don't have any money for lunch, it's a favor. It's a gift. I don't expect a return unless there's an agreement on it. If we agree that uh, they're going to pay me back, for example, then fine, that's great, no problem. But um, it's interesting how some people will say, I did this for you, so now 
I expect something in return. And I'm not saying it's bad or wrong. I'm just saying there are some people that operate like that. And you just have to know, because when I find out how somebody operates like that, I tend not to do anything else for them. I don't want to have that kind of uh, debt with anyone, and I don't want them to have debt with me. Because I don't want any expectations like that. I don't want that kind of attachment to uh, gifts in either direction. So I, I just remember that story, the, the person I worked with, um, that she did me a favor one day, and I didn't expect her to like wait for weeks or months until I paid that back in some way. It was never discussed. It was just strange to me. And, but it did tell me how she operates, and whenever I needed help anymore, I definitely didn't accept it from her. Maybe that's critical of me or judgmental of me. I don't know. But I generally don't accept help from people that expect you to help them in return. I mean, I'm going to do it anyway. Of course I'm going to help you. I would help you either way. But it's just weird when it's obligated. This is a strange thing. But coming back to apologies, when you apologize, give the gift with no expectation of a return gift of forgiveness. That was the last thing I wrote. Give a gift with no expectation of a return gift of forgiveness. Because uh, apologies are important. If you're going to look at this as balancing the equation, like I wronged you to balance that equation, I will apologize. It's all on me. You know, I wronged you, so now I will apologize. It's on me. I've balanced out my own equation. So they don't have to balance it out by forgiving me. I've balanced it out on my side. And this gives me closure. Apologies are supposed to give you closure um, because they're often hard to do and because you probably should do it. And if it's on your mind, meaning it's bothering you that you wronged somebody, then maybe it is time to apologize. In fact, really one quick story before we end the show here. I was at a job in the early 90s and I remember I was caught doing something. I was caught sending an internal email to somebody else. This is when uh, internal messaging and emailing were pretty early, at least in the system or on the computer system we were using. And uh, we all we were all learning to use it. And I sent, and I was in my 20s, and by man standards, that's like 16. Uh, so I sent this very immature email that the wrong person got. I was joking in the email and the wrong person got it and that person went to my boss and complained and said that I, you know, I sent this email. And so my boss, I didn't know about it yet, but my boss calls me into his office and he just shows me the email. He doesn't say a word. He just shows me the email. I read it and I thought, uh, oh boy. <laughs> if he got a hold of this, that means... Uh, it either printed out at his desk or somebody grabbed it off the printer or the wrong person received it. And that's what happened. I, and I say the wrong person. I just mean I meant to print that for someone else. And the wrong person in my mind received it. Um, so that person was offended. And um, so my boss hands it to me. I read it. And, you know, I had that oh crap moment in my head. And instead of saying, well, uh, this was, you know, this isn't what I meant, and it wasn't meant for that person, instead of making any excuse, I just, I just made it simple and said, I'm so sorry about this. This will never happen again. And he looked at me and said, great. That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> and that was it. He let it go. And I think that's all he was looking for. Who wants to get into a big argument or get into all the excuses? I think when you just admit what you did and apologize for it, that's really the extent that you should go sometimes, again, for the single wrong. And um, I apologized. He accepted the apology. We never talked about it again. I never sent anything like that ever again. It didn't need to be discussed because lessons were learned and all was good after that point. I forget if I even, um, I might have apologized to the person who found it too. Hey, look, I'm sorry, you know, no offense meant. And I think it was okay because we got along after that. Um, but again, I apologize when I wrong somebody. And apologizing is such a vulnerable thing, like I was saying, that um, most people, when they see that you are genuinely apologizing, 
are going to at least see how difficult that is for you to be so vulnerable and hopefully feel a little bit of, I don't know, vindication, even compassion, like while you're really stepping up, you're really stepping up to the plate, and that's honorable. So there are some of my thoughts and apologies, and um, I hope this helps if you're in that situation, or if not, uh, maybe you don't have anything to apologize about, or maybe you just don't care. (laughs) You know what? That was me at one time. There were things that I did that I felt were justified, and then 20 years later, I felt really bad. And then it was too late because the people I felt bad for hurting or wronging, they weren't in my life anymore, and I don't even remember their names. So for anyone that finds this episode, I apologize to you for however I wronged you, for whatever I've done. And if you know me, just write to me and tell me and I'll read it on the air and I'll be really transparent if I did something that wronged you because uh, that's the most vulnerable thing I can think of. Just be transparent in front of everyone. That's kind of what I try to do every week. So glad you tuned in. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Remember to head over to the Apple App Store or Google Play and download Best Fiends. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends for free today. And also check out betterhelp.com forward slash brain for online therapy that is convenient and professional. That's betterhelp.com forward slash brain. I also want to thank the patrons of the week. The patrons are Vanessa, Deborah, Chelsea, Robert, Allison, Walter, Harriet, Anna, Samaya, Brian, Paige, and Kim. I appreciate each and every one of you. These are the financial backers of the show. I read new names every week. So glad that you are on board and so supportive. And once again, I appreciate you. If you value the show like these folks do and want to give back, head over to moretob.com and choose the option that you want to support the show. And of course, when you're in the patron program, there's another 100 episodes you've never heard. Check it out over at moretob.com. And for a show on how to deal with difficult relationships, if you want to learn how to deal with that difficult, manipulative, or controlling person, visit loveandabuse.com. That's my other podcast. And if you are that manipulative, controlling, or emotionally abusive person, head over to healedbeing.com because I have a feeling if you're listening to this show, you probably want to change that about yourself. I offer many lessons, Q&As, and even an online support group over at HealedBeing.com if you are looking to heal from hurting the people you love. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And speaking of apologies, my final words on this has to do with an email that I received last year. This person wrote and said uh, his wife accused him of cheating day after day after day. And he says, I swear I've never cheated. I don't know why she thinks this. I've never cheated. But I guess she had gained some weight and he feels ashamed to say that he wasn't attracted to her anymore. So I guess the sex had stopped and they weren't as intimate. So she just continued to accuse him of cheating. And he swears he never did. And then he found out that she eventually cheated on him. So this brings up a really good point. I hope nobody needs to hear this, but if you do, um, some people will accuse you of their past or future behavior. Might want to write that down. Some people will accuse you of their own past or future behavior. And what that means is they're trying to justify what they've done or what they're going to do. So if they're accusing you over and over again and you've said, look, I swear, I haven't done this, then that might be going on. Unless you did it. (laughs) If you did it, then they have a reason. But I'm talking about if you didn't do anything wrong and they keep accusing you over and over again, there might be some guilt on their mind. There might be something going on with them that they need to heal in themselves or 
they want to do something that is not within the boundaries of the relationship or your friendship or your whatever, whatever connection you have with them. If they're accusing you of something, they may need to feel absolved in themselves. Maybe they want redemption of some sort. Who knows? But there's often something behind the curtain when somebody's doing that. You cheated on me. I know you did. I know it. What? I didn't cheat on you. Where are you getting this information? You know, if my girlfriend said something like that, I would say, no, I didn't. And if you believe I did, why are you still here? Why are you with me? If you don't have trust for me, then you should get out of the relationship. That's pretty bold, I know. That's like, what? You're willing to end the relationship? Yes, <laughs> yes. If she continues to accuse me of something I didn't do, I'm not going to stand for it. If you don't trust me, you shouldn't be here. You should leave. No, you should leave. How about that? That might be the argument. But I don't think it's ever going to happen in my relationship. But this does happen, doesn't it? Some people will continue to pummel you with accusations when they're probably feeling bad about something they did or they want to justify something they did or they want you to do something wrong so that you initiate um, the separation. If it's a romantic relationship, a separation, a divorce, if it's a friendship, then they're trying to put you on the spot so that they can say, you ended the friendship. I mean, no matter what the relationship is, you ended this. It was your fault. And then they can say, see, I was right about you. This is how we get um, painted into a corner. People will continue to accuse us. And it's interesting. I actually watched a special on police investigations or actually interrogations. I watched a special on interrogations. And I don't know if this still happens, but I know in the past, police interrogators will continue badgering the person until they admit something that maybe they didn't do. We know you killed her. We know it. We have evidence that proves you killed her. Your fingerprints are on the knife. We know you did it. And there are actual stories that people uh, didn't do it, yet after six hours, eight hours of interrogation with the interrogator just wearing them down, wearing them down, they finally admit and it's not even an admission because they didn't do it. They just say, okay, okay, I did it. You said I could go home if I admitted it. Can I go home now? And uh, that has caused people to go to jail when they admit that they did something they didn't do. And I'm, I'm hoping that a process isn't used anymore by interrogators. But it works when they continue to pester and badger and pummel you with accusations eventually um, I mean that's part of crazy making too but eventually you will feel crazy enough where you think well maybe I did I, I don't know they're saying everything that they know about me and they're saying that they have all this evidence maybe I wasn't in my right mind I would guess that after six hours eight hours of somebody just slamming you with all these accusations and you think there's no way out that's what happens. We seek a way out. And this is what some people will do. They will continue to accuse us and we'll eventually want a way out. And we may say something like, well, fine, I did. How about that? What are you going to do about it? I did. Even if you didn't. Because they want the way out. And I hope you never end up like that. I hope that it's as, um, I don't want to say simple, but I hope you can sit in your own skin comfortable enough to say, hey, look, if you don't trust me, if you think I did this stuff, then why are you still here? Maybe you should reconsider because if you can't trust me, then I don't think this is going to work. But if I say that it could end the relationship, well, you know, if you're asking me, of course you're not. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, if it was me in my relationship that I believe we have 100% trust for each other and then suddenly that started, then I would realize the trust isn't there anymore. For whatever reason, the trust isn't there anymore. And if it's not there anymore, then it's not really a relationship to me anymore. I can't connect with her anymore because she doesn't trust me. 
And then I would think something else is clearly going on here. Something else. And this is where I might go. And this is where I might start searching in my mind that uh, what's behind what she's doing now. I mean, you hope this stuff doesn't happen. But if it does, you kind of have to look beyond the curtain and find out what's going on. And you may not be able to find out what's going on, but you might want to be open that there's something more going on here if you're being barraged by accusations. So on that fun note, (laughs) always keep an open mind because this is how you step into your power. That's how you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure and above all. And this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.